Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today my returning guest is Sarah Wood. She's the social media director for Vote Vets. She's a writer, and she's just super cool. So before we get into our conversation, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startme up check out all the tiers i do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads you can hear the free shows on tuesdays and thursdays and they're followed up by what's up a show just for patrons where i talk about anything that comes to mind it's a little more personal kind of like my online diary visit patreon.com slash start me up and don't forget you can find start me up on itunes stitcher and wherever podcasts are found now please enjoy my conversation with sarah wood welcome back to the show sarah Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a while. I think the last time you were on was in July. So it's, it? it's been oh, a little wow. while. It's been a I know that I had asked you and you were busy. So I just want to put that out there because I like having you on and, you know, you're like, you're like the comfort food guest for me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I think last time I was, it was a work thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you? What's been going on? I'm good. I'm busy um, with um, work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you with... are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is like this little thing called midterm elections coming up. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a little um, crazy. So, and then I, about a month from today, I'll probably be like a different form of myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, me too. In fact, I just did a patrons only show and I was talking about here we are to the stressful countdown and as much as I will remain optimistic, and I do, I do feel optimistic, but as the days get closer, and I imagine getting down to the day, uh, my stomach is going to be a mess. And, um, you know, I should just eat like a potato <laughs> on, on election night, because I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. And, you know, my fear is this, and I just want to ask, because I know this is not the most optimistic outlook, but this is a real it's reality at least i believe that it is so let's see if you have anything to say that would counter it but i believe that you know i see a lot of pundits out there casually saying even the ones who are like pro-democracy and are counting and hoping on you know democrats winning they say oh well uh we're probably going to lose the house Okay, well, when you say we're probably going to lose the House, what I'm hearing is we're going to lose the country in 2024 because the Republicans are doing everything they can to prevent um, the Democrats from basically securing our system from another coup. And then also, we're not going to get anything passed if they, they're going to fucking impeach Biden and they're going to install the electors that will overturn the 2024 election. Unless I'm completely off base, is do you see that too? I think we're going to win, I, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with that for now. Okay, so what what is guiding you on that? We're going to win. I just I just have this feeling seeing what happened with Pat Ryan in New York and um, the the wave of votes that's coming through. Um, Wait, what happened with Pat Ryan in New York? That he won. So, I don't know. I don't know this race. Enlighten me. <laughs> well, Pat Ryan was running for New York 19, and I think it might be 18. I might have those reversed because okay. he got redistricted. He's already running for re-election because it was a special election. Okay. And he won, and he people really. It's upstate New York. It's like it could. It can, it's like a Hudson Valley. It could go either way. Uh-huh. So it's like it could go red. It could go blue. But um, 
no, it went, it went his way and he got it and it, it was, he ran on abortions. And, um, so that's why you're seeing this wave of, of other candidates running on abortion because it worked. And so that's why you're seeing all these commercials, um, you know, pushing yes. for reproductive rights. Yeah. So because of that, and you see what happened in Kansas and all of that, yeah. I'm like, I, I honestly believe we're going to make gains in the Senate. I think we're not only going to hold the Senate, I think we're going to gain one or two seats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to narrowly hold the house. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm pretty optimistic. Okay, well then, but do you agree with me that if we were to keep the Senate and lose the House, that it's really, really bad news for the democracy? I mean, yeah. I mean, but nothing. We'd still have the Senate and we'd still have Biden. Yeah, temporarily. um, Temporarily. Temporarily. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, that would be, it it wouldn't be great. (laughs) (laughs) Here, Here I'm being the Debbie Downer. But I mean, it's just, I feel like, you know, I know, I swear to God, I go back to 2016 because I thought, I remember that night so clearly. I cut my own hair. I just trimmed it. But I was like, I'm going to trim my hair for the election. And I was so happy. And I remember I was in the bathroom and, you know, and I was getting ready to go out and watch, you know, the the elections. And I was convinced. I thought we're going to break a glass ceiling tonight. History is going to be made. And then Trump won. And yes. it was devastating. Now, granted, in 2018, even though we did win uh, and we won pretty big Democrats, fucking James Carville started the whole thing off with saying Democrats were going to lose. So when I went into that election, I was kind of hopeful. And then he crushed my spirit. At least we won. <laughs> so there is that. But I think that I've, I have this triggered feeling now, you know, where it's like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, I could handle the primaries because they were primaries. Even when they were awful, you know, uh, watching Mastriano or whoever winning, let me ask you this, because Rachel Biddecoffer mm-hmm. had an opinion about this, and I'm curious what you have to I say. I love Rachel. Yeah. I know. She's awesome. <laughs> so she um, had said, I asked her about Democrats basically funding the extreme right um, in this election, like Mastriano, or I don't remember who else they're funding. I don't even know if they funded, helped to fund Herschel Walker, but they're doing that with extreme candidates. And, you know, there's there's one... Uh, argument that says it's a good idea. One says it's a bad idea because it's too risky. Where do you stand on this? I think it's stupid. Um, <laughs> like, 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 no, it's like you gotta let them run up. Like, they, 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 they run their own negative ads for themselves. Like, I mean, you can do your typical awful research and stuff like that, but we definitely shouldn't be like helping them in any regard, even if you, even if for like the opposite return. Like, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't like that. See, now Rachel said that she thought in this particular instance, now she said if it were a normal, regular election where democracy was not on the line, she wouldn't be fond of the strategy, but she likes it in this particular case because she thinks that she she's worried that a, uh, I, like a non-type, how can I say this? Somebody who's not an extremist would maybe be more appealing than an extremist. And so basically the Democrats are banking on the extremists are going to be too extreme, even for the Republicans. And, but there is also the argument. And then she also makes the same argument elsewhere. I don't believe she's contradicting herself, but that 
they just vote lockstep. You know, it doesn't really matter. I was say who, that. Yeah. yeah, they don't really care who it is. But is it going to, um, if if some of these people are just turned off by Mastriano, like these, especially women, because there's Republican women out there who are hearing him say women should go to jail who have an abortion. So it's like, do we go with the milk toast Republican who will still send them, you know, still vote for the abortion ban, but looks less threatening? Or should the Democrats go behind the really scary person because it's going to scare everyone? So Rachel Bedekoffer actually agrees with the Democratic strategy in this case. And I, I, I'm just, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I think it's too, I just think it's too risky. Too risky. I, just, I, I say we should just be behind our own candidates. Yeah. Like we should be putting that money for ourselves. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really, I, like, yeah. it's kind of like picking picking your poison. Like how would you die? Do you want to die with a person who's going to shoot you in the face or who's going to poison you over several months? Like that's, that's your choice right there. Like, no, I'm going to go with the, the person that doesn't do any of that. I'm going to. Yeah, with the Democrats. And then there's also the idea that, you know, I mean, Democrats only have a certain amount of limited, uh, they're, they're limited with their funds, especially in many cases compared to the mountains of money the GOP is getting, which doesn't always matter. But um, it, it's also something that they could be putting money into the state level races, which obviously the Republicans have been focusing on state level for so long. Democrats have not. So I think that money could also be spent focusing because you know what when Roe is overturned but in your state it's legal then it's legal for you so we should I think Democrats moving forward I hope the the party and the leaders PACs and all of it um, because we put so much emphasis on the party the party can only do so much because PACs are really important because Absolutely. of money. You yeah. know, you know, wish well, we the Pat Ryan race, like vote that's put a lot behind that right. race. Yeah. We, we yeah. were like one of the only ones that took a chance on it. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. And it, and it paid off. And yeah. um, so that's, that's where like, we got to put our money behind our own candidates. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that that's a really good point. Also, and I know you probably did, but did you see the, I didn't see the whole debate, but have you seen the clips of the debate with Ryan and Vance? Tim. Oh, I didn't. I haven't. Oh, I haven't. I've Tim, been so consumed with work that, like, I, I'm missing a lot of the other races. <laughs> I got to tell you, this it, you, when you get a chance, just, you know, enter their names on Twitter because there's a variety of cl- clips. There was this one clip, and I mean, it was literally like a fucking master class in how Democrats should be going, especially against MAGA, because there was this one time when he said, he heard J.D. Vance backstage uh, with Donald Trump and Donald Trump said to J.D. Vance, you know, you you're going to kiss my ass. And then basically J.D. Vance goes on stage and kisses his ass. And, and he just <laughs> it, he he there were, there was a number of things that he said. Um, I wish I could remember. But, but he just he, he he took Vance's dignity and, and just or what Vance thought was not. Yeah, Vance thought was dignity and just like destroyed it he destroyed him and it was spectacular and i would love to see every democratic you know candidate going up against these maga people with the same kind of energy i truly hope they do but with this i'm curious with this pat ryan thing um you said that democrats are i mean i I know they've been using uh, abortion to a degree but is it a, a measurable difference in how much they're using it since this contest or since this uh contest <laughs> since this race <laughs> oh absolutely um before it used to be a t- especially if you're in a very um a tight race yeah um you're not going to use abortion as an issue because you'd be like one of the last things you touch because you know how like touchy it is and, right um 
before Roe, like you wouldn't want to say, talk about abortion because you don't want to like, you know, sway voters right now. So his was really kind of just like a litmus test of what's going to be working in this election. And like, he went all in on it. Like he had some great ads um, and he just, he won. We were actually like, oh my God, he won. Like it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're seeing all these other ads with like going, using abortion as a main, um, I mean, talking point. Yeah. Like we need, cause like, and they're using like, oh, cause legislators in Washington want to do a national abortion ban. Um, You need to make sure that we don't get these people in that will support that. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's a lot of the messaging. I'm looking here. Where is it? So who is she? Okay. So is this it? Okay. I know that what's Rachel Bittacoffer is really big on <laughs> using abortion as the number one. Just keep keep because what they've done to us is called us baby killers. So we have to call them women killers. And you know, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yes, it's true. I abs- yes, I absolutely agree. They they don't care if women die. I actually talked to Rachel about this. They don't care if women die. Yeah. Um. Plain and simple. You know <laughs> they, what? They would rather have like the chance that a baby might be born in a dying mother, right? You know, that's dying because of the baby, than and then the baby and born. it's all because it's all just <laughs> or having to the woman live. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's all just for control because it's really not about the life of death of either one of them. It's about we're going to control women. Period. And in that, and if women die, tough shit. And that's kind of how they look <laughs> yeah. at it. And all that's how they're looking at it. Yeah. yeah. And we see, I mean, oh my God, is it Dana Lash? Is that how you say your name? Loesch, Lash, Lash. Oh, Dana Loesch, the the Republican. The yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to say her last name. I'll just call her Dana Fuckhead. Um, she, she was very clear about the Herschel Walker thing. I don't, you know, I don't give a shit if he killed puppies. He, we need that Senate seat. And so here we've got this man who has lied about fucking everything. He said he was a professor or something like that, or he graduated with honors. Whatever he's saying, it's not true. It's bullshit. It's a lie. And then here comes, oh, my God. Here comes this woman who says, okay, he paid for my abortion. Then we find out. First, he paid. He wanted her to have an abortion. He pays for it. He sends her a card. She has a receipt from the fucking clinic. And then we find out that this woman also had a child by him. So this is not just a one-off. This is not one woman. Then there was, I guess, another woman or was it the same woman? I don't even know. Contacted his wife. And so there's like the back and forth with, came out, I think it was last week, texts that were exposing um, the conversations that they were having, proving that this is true. And then the worst part about it, this was so fucking sad. So Herschel would send uh, texts to his one, one of his children, one of his sons. And he would say, I love you. And it, it most of these texts would come between midnight and 340 in the morning and then so at some and the, and the son I guess Herschel never saw him eventually responded and said something like do you even know how old I am do you know what grade I'm in do you know my favorite color and the following day Herschel texts I love you God bless you which is so fucking sad it's so sad but it goes to the point of this guy is so not fit for office beyond the fact that he paid for an abortion which they say is killing a baby that's okay with the republicans now if a liberal does it it's killing a baby if a republican did it who's running for senate 
oh, well, he just made a mistake and, he, and he's redeemed. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, they are fucking insane. Isn't it yeah. amazing to you what they, like the fact, I mean, I think I'm genuinely surprised, although I don't know why I should be. I would assume that the Republican Party would read the room and say, okay, we can't go and around and, and say really obvious like racist shit and really obvious sex, but they're doing it. I just, I mean, I guess that they're assuming that enough of the voters out there are angry and hateful and just going to accept that. I mean, yeah, that's I don't, pretty much it. I don't they, know. They, we're in this like new Trump era of, of discourse where like literally they can be the worst, most vile people on the planet. And it's like, if anything, it's just like, they see themselves in that and they mm-hmm. feel like validated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And they're, or they're just willing to look past it so they can have control because they're one issue voters and they like see some people don't want abortion and they'll be those one issue voters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not surprised by it at all. Like <laughs> these Republicans, but it's like, it just seems like it's, 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 it's mind blowing, but it's not, it's very predictable at this point. Like, I guess they're, it as, is. they're as horrible as they possibly can be. And they write really, really clickbait, um, not clickbait, um, troll um, um, tweets because they want that reach. And I was noticing my Twitter, my personal Twitter was all conservatives. And I was like, where is, where are the people I follow? Mm -hmm. And I realized I had replied to a few conservative tweets and Twitter probably saw that as like, Oh, you like switching up my algorithm. Interesting. That's kind of bullshit. Well, you know, there's this guy, I don't know his name, but he is the, what is it, um, Promise Keepers? I never heard of them. Promise Keepers C- CEO said, uh, churches are making men effeminate by teaching Jesus <laughs> wrong. We taught a Jesus that's an idol and not the real Jesus. We've taught a Jesus that says to love means being nice to everybody. Jesus wasn't very nice. He wasn't very nice most of the time. Okay. Like, what? Oh my what? God. Like what? <laughs> so what? now, now they love to weaponize Jesus all the time. And now they're like, okay, Jesus was an asshole. And that justifies us being assholes. I mean, that's what he's saying. Unbelievable. That's what, that's what it sounds like. He's saying like, well, we're not nice because Jesus wasn't <laughs> nice. Like what, what alternative like book of, of Dickelonians are you reading? I mean, hell? even if you don't believe it, even if you're not religious at all, you know, like, cause I'm not religious, but at the same time, I, you know, my aunt is God. What kind of church is that? I don't remember the Episcopal. Is it Episcopal where you, um, it's like a progressive, I'm not sure if I'm getting the name right, but her church is progressive. There can be women priests, they're, you know, mm-hmm. they are um, not anti-gay, they're not anti-abortion, they're just basically going by the teachings of Jesus. If I were going to be religious, that's what I would do. Because the teaching, you know, whether you even want to believe Jesus is real or not, just put that aside and say, what do we hear about the teachings of Jesus? It's all about love and acceptance. And, you know, I would be for that. <laughs> you know, it's like, how could I be against that? So it's well, yeah. unbelievable to me. That's what I mean, though. It's like, okay, granted, he's not a leader. He's not a, a political leader. But still, he's he's the fucking CEO of the Promise Keepers, whatever they're doing. And so it's like, now, 
I mean, I don't understand this part. I get where they're going to double down per se on, you know, like abortion or something like that. But the way that they're doing it, the way it's, sometimes I hear them doing it in a way that doesn't surprise me. Oh, we, we cherish life and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That I expect. But th- this whole thing, I don't care if he's like, you know, aborting puppies. He, we need the Senate seat. It's like they're not even trying to pretend they give a shit. They just say, we want power, period. We will go mm-hmm. with a liar who has, and then, and then the defense, oh my God, the defense of Herschel Walker is fucking human thumb, Nuke Gingrich, coming out and saying he's had many concussions. <laughs> oh, so he's had many concussions. Great, let's put him in the Senate. That's who I want writing laws. <laughs> fucking, why is fucking Nuke Gingrich even still here? Why is he, does he have a voice? And he does. Ugh. I just, I don't. And he was, he was supposed to be like the more old school Republican yeah. that like had a little bit more sense. Like right. I hated his policies, but you could actually talk to him kind of guy. Kind of like and Bill Crystal, Falling yeah. in line with all these other crazies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's funny yeah. to, to uh, watch this. Um, it's not funny, actually. It's terrifying. But it's funny to watch the differences because it's like you look at Bill Crystal, and boy, Bill Crystal has gotten on my nerves. Um, a number of times while Biden's been president and I have called him out straight up, called him out. He follows me and I follow him, but I also retweet him because sometimes, you know, I agree with him and at least he's not full on MAGA. I mean, he, you know, he gets all upset when, um, I called him out, I think because the last time when people were, I think showing up at the, at Kavanaugh's house or something and writing with chalk on the sidewalk and you know protesting and he had a fucking cow about that but he doesn't care when it's done to a democrat he only gets upset when it's done to a conservative so it's like dude come on so um but yeah it's funny to see how the republicans are going this way going that way and you'd think one of you know you, you look at newt gingrich and it's like wow he's a maga but i guess that's not really entirely surprising because didn't didn't he start was he the one who started the moral majority mm-hmm. yeah i believe that's, so yeah. that's basically like the tea party that's basically and and now yeah. i'm wondering do you think because trump not too long ago was spouting off a bunch of bullshit q talking points and i guess posted or retweet retruthed or whatever you want to call it <laughs> over on truth social um something that showed him wearing a q pin or having to do with q and then i guess in a rally he said something that alluded to something q said and so he's embracing q now and i'm just wondering because these people like ted cruz who initially they you know they were the tea party and then they didn't like trump and then they went along and then you know he climbed way up into trunks trump's rectum i mean so far so, does that mean the Tea Party is going to go Q? Maybe. Who knows? I honestly believe he's like he's a mob boss and he's got dirt on a lot of people that in a lot of in a lot of places. I agree. And then he's just got his cult following of of jerks that yeah actually do like him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back after this message. Oh, hi, it's Kimberly. Are you my patron? Why aren't you my patron? If you just go to patreon.com slash start me up, you're going to see all the tiers I offer. You're going to see so much. You're going to see everything. Just go to patreon.com 
slash start me up and become my patron today. You won't regret it. Okay, we're back. Okay, I want to ask you, okay, I I almost know what you're going to say, so I won't spend too much time talking about this, but I have to talk about it just a little bit. Um, Have you been watching Dahmer? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Oh, you surprised me. I didn't think you would. No, did you watch the whole thing? I love that stuff. Are you kidding? I love that stuff. I'm All right. like a weird, like, like like this dark, yeah, I have a weird dark side. No, yeah. I have a weird dark side too, but it's more clinical, but I want to get into it. Okay. Now I have, not, I've only seen the first three. So I've only seen three. Um, I No spoilers, although it isn't too much of a spoiler because we know the story. <laughs> we know the story, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, now, first of all, I want to acknowledge right up front, the families of this, uh, of, of the people who were killed by Jeffrey Dahmer were not happy with Netflix putting out this show because they were not... In, at all contacted or consulted and I actually disagree with that I think they should have been consulted Um, I don't like that they were not so I do want to put that out there but on the other hand I you know I was I've I've been hearing about it everybody's talking about how good it is and I have always been fascinated with serial killers and not so much in a morbid way it's not that I'm obsessed or say fascinated with their the, the morbid things they do I'm more fascinated with how they can how it even came to be that they are that way and i do think this is kind of addressed in the episode in episode three and here is a spoiler that i'm gonna say so just skip through 10 seconds but his mother was while she was pregnant on like 26 different drugs and they were shooting her up with shit also while she was pregnant and then she had postpartum depression or at least that's what i i think that in the third episode they somebody said to her she had postpartum depression. I don't know if that's wrong. I don't know if that's addressed later. But um, I think this guy, I don't know his name, the guy who's playing Jeffrey Dahmer, I think if there's, an, you know, whatever category, whether it's, I think it's an Emmy, he would have to be up for. I was thinking about this last night. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that would be, it would be so hard <laughs> to give the Emmy yeah. <laughs> because it's like, and, and then the other thing about this is now I, this is one thing I want to ask you about. People are feeling sorry for him and I have a take on that, but I'd like to hear what you have to say. Like there are people online that are feeling sorry for Jeffrey Dahmer. So where do you stand on that? I don't feel sorry for him. He ate people like, <laughs> like, yeah. like he's a, he's a serial killer. Like I'm the same as you. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm fascinated by serial killers and like, like what makes them think the way they think, why yeah. they do it. And I think a lot of it is the thrill of getting away with it. Uh-huh. Um, and just like, and then once they start, they can't stop. Mm-hmm. They gotta like, see if they can still get away with it. I think that has some, some of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, not all of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, these people I, are like feeling bad, sorry for Jeffrey Dahmer. Like how, I mean, <laughs> I feel bad for the people in his building. Yes. Oh my God. But, and, and what this, what his, what Jeffrey Dahmer's story highlights is racism and like mm-hmm. how, how police don't believe black people. Yes. And, and, and a lot of, or, and it was the time around, um, like with, 
um, the LGBT community, mm-hmm. how people kind of just like ignored um, mm-hmm. gay issues. I'm trying not to give, I'm, I'm trying to explain this without dropping spoilers. I don't know right. how far in people are, or how far you are. Yeah. So it's just, but it highlights that, that black people aren't listened to mm-hmm. and that gay people were treated as kind of just like freaks. Right. And it was kind of brushed off. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of homophobia, racism that helped him get away with that. Totally. Totally. Yes. Yeah. The fact that he was a white guy, because there, you know, there was one thing when he was driving drunk and he was like, what, 18 or 17 or something like that. And the cop was like, hey, I'm going to let you I'm not going to ruin your life. OK, if that were a black 17 year old, the cop who was white, I'm sure would have had no problem taking him in and arresting him. But because mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer was a decent looking and that does, please don't misunderstand me and think I think he was good looking, but he was a nice enough looking guy. He's just average, you know, white guy. Yeah. He got the break. There was, yeah, he got a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like this blonde guy, just average looking guy, mm-hmm. you know, not particularly handsome, but not unattractive. Yeah, he yeah he's like, not ugly. Yeah. Yeah. He's okay looking. He and, had total white privilege and it was... Anything he lived um, in a building that was predominantly black, mm-hmm. and his neighbors would report the smell, right. and they would do nothing. And yeah, and then there was that one scene. Here's a little bit of a spoiler. I mean, it was in the news, but he had a fucking 14 year old boy in his apartment who was naked and drunk, and the cops. He said, "This is my boyfriend," and the cops just okay. You did see that, okay? Yeah. Well, that's where I wasn't sure if you had seen that. Yeah, okay. yeah, and the cops were like, "Okay." take him in and and that that neighbor was like oh my god this he's a boy that's a child yeah you're just believing yeah, this like, man what are you doing like what are you doing like they finally got the cops to come and then jeffrey like talked his way out of it being yeah. like this is my boyfriend i'm yeah. like how could he eat he's, he's a child yeah and then he kills the guy and yeah. and i will say though for anybody who's considering watching this it's fucking dark it's very dark. It's done very well, but it is so... The third episode, I remember th- I saw a comment. Somebody said something like, you know, each episode gets more intense. So, I, so you know, you had the first part of the third episode, and I'm like, okay, well, it's intense, but it's not that. And then the intense part happened <laughs> when he pitched up, he picked up the hitchhiker. Oh, my God. That was so fucking horrible. But here's... I have a theory on why people feel sorry for him and because you know I mean I've watched interviews with him I've watched interviews with his father even prior to this coming out and I've watched interviews with like uh you know Charles Manson and Richard Ramirez who was the night stalker who I at the time of those killings I was living in California and he was terrorizing the entire state because nobody knew where he was going to show up he would just enter in open windows and we were having a heat wave and I lived on the first floor so that scared the shit out of me and then you know when you watch him there was a there was recently a documentary about him which I actually got Bob to watch now Bob won't watch Dahmer and he hates true crime but he indulged me and he watched the uh the thing with you know Richard Ramirez and recently just as I've been watching Dahmer I watched an interview with Ramirez and it was explained by the journalist that you could see the coiled rage that's the word they used Jeffrey Dahmer, if you know, if he if he feels rage, he does not show his rage. He is very, very soft spoken. He is very mild mannered, 
And, and something that struck me, and that doesn't mean he's innocent or that he should get any sympathy, but I think that because he has this very mild-mannered way, he's extremely articulate. He is... Um, I saw when he was interviewed by I don't remember if it was Stone Phillips or Nancy O'Dell and I just recently watched this but it was Inside Edition and they said to him something like you know um, do you think you deserve to be in jail and he said yes and he and they said do you would you do this again and he said yes and he he wished that he didn't want to do it but he understood that if he were a free man he would keep doing it and I find that to be utterly fascinating. And it doesn't mean I feel sorry for him in the sense of, oh, poor Jeffrey. I feel like I know I was a smoker and I knew smoking was wrong. And I understood that it could hurt me and other people. Yet I continued to do it. I had a compulsion and an addiction and I did it. And I hated that I did it but I still did it. And I, and I wonder about him. I mean, I don't know that he hated it. It was a fantasy. And he said he could, like he could, I think he disassociated from reality in order to execute these just fucking gruesome, gruesome uh, murders and then eating them. It's like, oh my God, it, it is the most disgusting and horrible thing you could ever think about. And then, but on the other hand, when you think about his psychology, now, I don't know if those drugs his mother did played into it. I don't know, you know, whatever his upbringing, how he correlated sex and violence and all that, th that plays into it. But he specifically said in an interview that it, it was a process for him to kind of dehumanize people so that he could do this. He understood that he had to dehumanize them in order to fulfill his fantasies. And, and then when he talks about it, like, I mean, there were fucking women that wanted to marry Richard Ramirez. A woman did marry Richard Ramirez after he was caught. So it's not unheard of for people to kind of have sympathy for these killers or attraction to them or something like that. But it's like, I genuinely think that it's because of his ability to be, and I think he's being honest, he had fucking 999 years in jail. He wasn't appealing it. He basically said, I deserve to be here. I deserve to die. And I think people look at that and then they feel sorry for him as a result. Now, I don't feel sorry for him, but I feel like, wow, what must it be like to be that person? Because I know what it's like to be a smoker and have those feelings. But that's a smoker. <laughs> that's not someone who, you know, premeditates murder and has drugs prepared for them in advance and then stuffs them in 55-gallon drums and keeps them in their bedroom. That's a completely different situation. But it's like, I, just, I find that, I just think it's so weird and kind of also fascinating in a horrible way that people are feeling sorry for this man. But I just think it's because of his demeanor. I think that his white privilege, even in death, still serves him. Oh, absolutely. That he was a, he's a sociopath. Like he had no, like, I don't think he had any remorse for what he did for who he killed. Like he, he was always like, he would go out on the hunt. He was yeah. kind of like, not, I mean, not like Dexter, you know, right. like right, Dexter right. had a, it was a very different and that yeah. was fiction. Yeah. But it was like the life of a serial killer who could blend into his surroundings, mm -hmm. Um, was very charming. That's a good to yeah. talk his way out of situations. God, yeah, um, totally, totally. So oh it's a, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if who, the creator of Dexter, you know, took yeah. bits and pieces of Dahmer. 
Um, wow. I never even thought that. Yeah, he just brings donuts to everything and everyone loves him. <laughs> everyone loves him. He, he's a, he, like, he perfectly disguises himself as almost this like spotless guy wow. where you would never even yeah. doubt that he was doing something so sinister. Right. And then um, also, yeah, and Dexter's yeah. a white guy too. He's a white guy who's soft-spoken and always unassuming. So yeah, that's yeah. totally interesting. Wow. Well, yeah, and I'm going to, I mean, I, you know, my mother's watching it and I told her she's one, I think she's only watched two. And I told her the third one is really fucking hard. I said, it's very hard to watch this one. And um, she was, she's at first, she's like, I don't know if I'm going to keep watching it. And then she's like, I don't know, maybe I will. Cause it, it, it is done so well. The acting in this is fucking superb. It's superb. Oh, Evan Peters, the guy that Evan plays Peters, Dharma, he, de- he, he deserves an Emmy. He totally for does. Sure. For sure. Like, yeah. I just feel like, though, it's like, God, how, uh, I, I don't want to give him I don't want to punish him for playing <laughs> exactly. a, a terrible person so well. Yes. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And that's what it is. And the other thing, too, though, is in order to play Jeffrey Dahmer as an actor, he cannot judge Jeffrey Dahmer. He has to he can't go in there and go, oh, this is horrible. He has to find a way to justify it as an actor. And I just think, wow, I can't even imagine what that did to him to have to go into that and to justify all that shit that he did because he had to find Let's it. just hope he's not a method actor. <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> I can't even. I mean, I did this one thing when I was in acting class and I, I, I was working in um, pain in you know being sad and so I I did this scene if you will it was an improv scene but I I knew what it was going to be in advance I just improv it I had the whole idea about it and then I improv it but for the entire day I was thinking it was true and basically it was that my mom had died and this was obviously too back in the 90s so I was young and I had to get myself into this head and I spent the entire day before I went to class which was at seven o'clock at night so I all day long put myself in this head and then finally it was my time to go up and it, you know, it all comes out and I'm crying and I'm having, and then when it was finished, it didn't go away. I mean, I went home and I was depressed. It went away when I woke up the next day, but for that entire day I was depressed. So I look at roles like Dahmer and the Joker and, um, you know, Heath Ledger playing the Joker and then even, um, what's his name Joaquin Phoenix I just can't imagine the toll because it's got to take a toll I mean it's got to take a toll it would be so difficult I would think so yeah because you get yourself into that headspace yeah and you have to you have to you can't be thinking oh Jeffrey Dahmer's a fucking asshole you have to be like all right I have to justify being Jeffrey Dahmer oh I can't imagine that that is just so scary um all right so that's enough about <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> um, but I just have to bring this up. This is so sad. Do, you know, have you seen how the right is portraying that message from Biden to Hunter? Oh, my God. The one where he looks like a really caring and loving father. And then there's they're trying to make it like it was a bad thing that and like, that he left him a message. Biden or he was either speaking to Hunter or leaving him a message and somehow Fox News got a hold of the clip and this is what Biden says it's dad I called to tell you I love you I love you more than the world pal you got to get some help I don't know what to do I know you don't either and they're using this they played it on Fox News to point out how fucked up Hunter Biden is 
and it's, so just, up. it's it is, really it's that's like every time i think they're they've gone as low as they can go they go they find a way to like drill deeper yeah it's and that's what i'm talking about like this impossible like it's impossible you think that they could get any worse and then they just keep getting worse and everybody from molly jong fast kathy griffin i believe rex chapman all these people who have and Kristen johnston who have you know in their experience in their life have been addicts have said this is the kind of call i would get from my friends who loved me you know and and they're using this as something negative against Biden. It is so disgusting. I can't imagine what it must be like to be either one of them. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Hunter. Obviously, he's got a drug problem. But, oh my God. It's just, it's so horrible. And then they scream at us to leave, you know, John Jr. alone. Leave the kids alone. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God. They are insane, but they are literally taking Nazi playbook. They are behaving like Nazis when it comes to messaging. So that's what it that's what it boils down to. And now Tulsi has uh, listened <laughs> to listen to Putin and she's leaving the Democratic Party. Bye, bitch. We fucking gave up on you years ago. I didn't like she was realize. ever part of the party to begin with. She used that. She said she was a Democrat to get elected. That's mm-hmm. all she ever did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was in Hawaii. She needed to be blue to win. She said she was a Democrat. Yeah. She won. Yeah. And now she's just, I, I don't know what she's going to do. I have no idea. Okay, but going, okay, now going back to this, I want to, I just want to um, leave this on a more positive note. So um, as far as the elections are concerned, you think we're going to win, and I'm going to go with that. But what I want to ask you now, um, oh, and you know what really sucks? Well, it doesn't suck, and it does suck. I can't say what it is right now. But Bob and I are going to have some people over on Thursday, and that's the day, and it's going to be in the daytime and for dinner. But uh, it's the fucking, I guess, the last, I don't know, is this going to be the last January 6th thing? I don't know if it's the last. I know it's the next. Because they, um, if they have more people they need to interview, they'll probably make a determination. Yeah. They well, need to do more. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it because we are going to have company, and I'm not doing a show on Thursday, everybody. I've told, I've ta- talked about it on my patrons only show. I'm going to send a uh, a Patreon note to everybody, but nothing on th- on Thursday because I'm going to be busy. But do you think? Um, and I'll tell you why later. But uh, do you think that the stuff that's happening now? We've got the abortion stuff, right? And we've got the fact that they're burning books and then we know that kids are, or I don't want to say kids, but young people are fired up. In fact, I talked to San, do you know Santiago mayor? I do. Okay. So he was on my show last Tuesday and he was just like, Oh my God, that guy is so fucking impressive. I can't even get over it. He's 20 years old and he sounds like he's been in politics for 50 years, but he, um, he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Um, he was, you know, saying looks like we're going to see, the same same or better enthusiasm from young people that we saw in 2020 and Agreed. yeah mm-hmm. so this and, and now do you think that the um i'm jumping all over the place let me go back to the first point was the climate guns of course abortion and then the banning of books and the you know hatred of of anybody who's not straight um or cis those are all the very, those are very important. I mean, they're important to me, but they're important to young people. 
But then we yeah. go into the J6 committee. How much influence do you think that the January 6 hearings are going to have on this election? And then obviously factor in all the other things. So if it were alone, maybe not. But because it's factored into, you know, climate and all that stuff. How influential do you think they're going to be for the midterms? Well, I saw an interview with Elaine Loria, who's in a very, very tight race in Virginia. And she is on the January 6th committee. And she she wasn't sure how it was going to play out that she was on the committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but she keeps getting asked about it, and it's referred to, at, and she's been getting a lot of positive feedback. At least according to this interview, she said she's been getting a lot of positive feedback. Mm-hmm. She said she did the committee... Um, regardless of the election, she was doing it because it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I think it's going to play out for the election? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that particular issue is going to um, sway the election one way or another. I think if that's more of a justice issue. Mm-hmm. It's more of a let's hold who did that accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, let's And then let's make sure it never happens again. Um, I think the issues... Like you said, with with, I say with the kids because they're all like half my age, but like <laughs> they're um, like guns, um, mm-hmm. climate, mm-hmm. abortion, everything you said. That is, those are all the very key issues for the youth youth um, vote. And then I know pulling across the board, the highest thing is threat to threat to our democracy, yeah. which can be seen as January the whole January right. sixth stuff. So. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not exactly sure it's good, how it's going to play, but um, I think, I don't know, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting election, mainly because you're, I don't believe, I think this is an outlier, and the, way I, the reason I say that is because of Roe. I think we're, we're, we're not taking into account whether it's, you know, the polling, um, understanding how many new Democratic voters there are, new, newly registered Democrats because of Roe. I don't think that is playing out in most of the polling. And, you know, you, you see these typical people who you've seen all the time. Oh, it's probably going to go to the House. Oh, it's, you know, that's just what they say because that's what happened in history. But I don't know that that's going to happen. But last question I have for you is, do you think because gas prices might go up, we might be, you know, the, the infl- there's the inflation issue, and now gas prices might go up again. Do you think if gas prices are going to go up, is how much of a threat is that going to be against all the other stuff that we just listed? I don't, I honestly don't think it's going to make much of a difference. I know Republicans are really putting a lot of their, <laughs> a lot, yeah. lot in, at stake with the like, inflation and really powering yeah. that home. And, but what's funny is what Democrats need to do is just power home back. And like, well, this is what a lot of Democrats have been doing. Is like Republicans voted against ways to reduce inflation. Yes. Republicans yes. voted against ways to reduce the gas prices. Yeah. Republicans voted against baby, for- to help people get baby formula. Yeah. Everything that happened with that, everything that's happened with the infrastructure, everything everywhere has been Democratic votes and Republicans have voted against it. So I think that if we start hammering home the fact that Republicans seem to want to everything to not work so they can blame democrats and then win mm-hmm. like they literally yeah. are voting against their constituents best interests mm-hmm. so they can say oh look it's these democrats that are in congress and they're not it's like it's dysfunctional and it's not working but they but the republicans are the dysfunction yeah they are why dc is dysfunctional yeah 
Oh man. They don't, they don't have any policies. They have nothing. They have nothing. They just have a bunch of fucking hot air. Oh wait, you know what? I lied. I have one more last question for you. Um, okay. Your gut. I'm just asking, what does your gut think? Do you think Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter? My gut, it thinks it's going to fall through. That's what my gut says. I mean, but I'm hopefully, I'm like, I'm like, please don't let that be my fear. <laughs> because it is yeah. my fear. Like, I'm terrified that he's going to win. And, you know, I know that there are certain people out there who say, oh, I don't want to pay any attention to Elon because he's not serious. And it's like, well, Trump wasn't serious and he became the president. So um, mm -hmm. I think that it's very... If, if he were to own Twitter, he would bring Trump back on. God only knows what decisions would be made. I do know that obviously he's he would not kick all the liberals off, but we don't know what he would do because he and I said this on my patrons only show. He is running on he he just it's all ego. He's a billionaire, so if 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 he got Twitter and burned it to the ground and lost money on it, he'd still be a fucking billionaire. You know, so it's like it doesn't fucking matter. He, it's just about ego. So I think, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think, and I think he's trying to bring in funders outside funding. Yes. So it's. I think. I honestly think my gut thinks it's going to fall through. Well, let's just go on your gut and my gut because that's what I think too. <laughs> even though um, I'm afraid that my, you know, it's just based on fear. But anyway, all right. Well, you know what? I know that I'm not going to talk to you on this show before um the election so uh happy election happy <laughs> <laughs> election hopefully yeah happy <laughs> and before i let you go of course as usual tell everyone where to find you you can find me on all the social medias um, at Sarah Wood Writer, S-A-R-A-H-W-O-D, writer, like writing things down. And then you can also, I am social media director over at Vote Vets, and it's, it's spelled like it sounds to Vote Vets on <laughs> all <laughs> social media as well. Awesome. And I'm author Kimberly, L-E-Y at the end of my name. My books are on Amazon. Sarah, I adore you. Thank you for spending your time with me today. It's my pleasure. Bye-bye.